Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. I really enjoyed the fact that our, our Old Testament reading was from this uh, account in 2 Kings, the account of Elijah being taken up into heaven in a whirlwind. Elijah was one of the great prophets of the Lord. And uh, he seemed to know, and so did Elisha, that he was going to be taken up into heaven that day. And Elijah and Elisha are on their way together. And Elisha, Elijah says to Elisha, please stay here. Uh, the Lord has sent me over to Bethel, to Bethel. And uh, for Elijah to go from where he was, from Gilgal to Bethel, he's going to have to ascend to a higher elevation. And, and uh, maybe that's making a little much of it, but uh, here Elijah is going to ascend into heaven. He's rising even just to get to Bethel. Bethel, of course, means, the name means house of God. That's where Elijah thinks maybe he's going to ascend into heaven, be taken up into the residence, into residence in God's heavenly mansions. Of course, this is going to happen for all of us. All of us are going to be taken up into the heavenly mansions. Olga was taken up this morning. Each one of us will come to that day. Now, it may be when Jesus Christ comes back. Maybe the end of time is this afternoon. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Any time that it happens, it's going to be wonderful. But it's going to happen for each of us who believe. Of course, Elijah doesn't get taken up at Bethel. Uh, <clears throat> Elisha says, no, I'm going to go with you. And he goes with him to Bethel there. And then at Bethel, Elijah says again, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And Jericho was the place where the Israelites had first crossed the Jordan River. They'd come into, into the promised land under the leadership of Joshua. And Joshua sees a man standing with a sword drawn. And he goes to the man and he says, are you with us or against us? Are you for us or not? And the man says, no, but I am the leader of the armies of Yahweh. And then this man speaks like Yahweh himself. And so we see that this is the pre-incarnate Christ leading the armies of Yahweh to destroy Jericho. And this man tells Joshua, take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. And we've heard those words before when Moses was at the burning bush. God said, Yahweh said, take off your sandals. And there too, it was the angel of the Lord out of the burning bush. It was the pre-incarnate Christ speaking to Moses, saying, take off your sandals. So maybe this place, Jericho, is where God is going to take Elijah up into heaven. It's holy ground, but it doesn't happen there. The Lord has sent me to Jordan, Elijah tells Elisha. And the Jordan River is another miraculous place, of course, where the, the Israelites crossed 
into the promised land. Remember the Ark of the Covenant? As soon as the, the priest stepped into the river, the river stopped flowing and the ground dried up and the whole of Israel crossed on dry land, dry land once again. Maybe this is where God is going to bring Elijah up into heaven. In the New Testament, of course, this is where Jesus is going to be baptized by John. Where the heavens are opened and God speaks. And through baptism, you and I, Christians, miraculously cross that river also into the heavenly promised land. A, a place where heaven for us is opened. But Elijah and Elisha, they cross the Jordan River on dry ground like the Israelites did. Elijah rolls up his, his uh, cloak and he strikes the water and dry ground appears. They walk across and they're on the other side there of the Jordan and they're talking and then suddenly chariots of fire, right? Horses and chariots of fire come and it separates Elijah from Elisha. And Elijah goes up in the whirlwind. And then our, our reading ends, the Old Testament reading ends, and Elisha saw him no more. That's the last time mortal men see Elijah until the transfiguration. Luke writes in his gospel that Elijah appeared in glory. See, Elijah's ascension into heaven prefigures Jesus' own ascension. It prefigures even our own ascension. It's also a shadow and a type. We talk about that a lot in the Bible because God gives us a lot of shadows and types. And Elijah's ascension into heaven in the whirlwind is a shadow and a type of Jesus, not only his ascension, but his transfiguration also. Jesus ascends the mountain with his disciples, James, uh, John, Peter, James, and John, and the heavens open, and the voice is heard, this is my beloved son, listen to him. And we're not surprised to find Elijah at the transfiguration of Jesus. Elijah and all of the prophets, they themselves were types and shadows of the Messiah, of Jesus. Moses, too, is there at the transfiguration, the great lawgiver, the one that God spoke to face to face. He's a type and shadow of Jesus also. And Paul mentions Moses in our epistle reading today in the letter to the Corinthian church, reminding his readers that Moses put a, a veil over his face. Moses would go into the tent of meeting and meet God there face to face. And then he would come out and his face was glowing and somehow this was hard to look at. Maybe it was because it was sinful men looking at the holiness of God reflected in Moses' face. I don't know. But it was better somehow for the people that God put a veil over his face. And this is what, uh, what um, uh, Paul mentions in his letter to the church at Corinth. Moses and that veil. Jesus is veiled 
also. Not that he wears a veil, but who he is is veiled. To all accounts, he's, he's like any other man. He doesn't look special. He has a father, he has a mother, his sisters and brothers. He's a, he's a tradesman. He's learned carpentry from his father, Joseph. When he begins his ministry after the temptation in the wilderness, he's in the synagogue. He's teaching. The leaders, even the people, they become angry. And they're angry because this Jesus, who just seems like a normal Joe, is claiming something much higher, like skipping past them and acting like he's even God. His glory is veiled. Of course, there are, are glimpses of that glory. Water is changed into wine. A withered hand is put out and restored. Leprosy is cleansed. The lame, the blind are healed. Even a man who had been in the grave for four days is given his life back. But at the transfiguration, to just a few of the disciples, for a brief moment, the veil is lifted and Jesus shines in all his glory. Standing there with Elijah and Moses, they've zoomed in for this meeting, although it's different than the zoom that we do. It's, they're actually there for this meeting. And Peter, and I'm sure James and John as well, they are just blown away, just awestruck by this sight. And now I'm going to take a little liberty here. I'm going to put words into Peter's mouth. I'm going to put motives into his heart. So forgive me, because they may not all have been there. But Jesus has been talking a lot about the kingdom of God, how it's coming, how it's near, how it's here already. And now here are two of the great all-stars of the kingdom, legends in their own right, come to meet with Jesus. And I can see the wheels kind of turning in Peter's head. Yes, yes, yeah. This is it. This is the start of the new kingdom. Elijah, Moses, Jesus, Romans don't stand a chance. We're going to make a base camp right here, Jesus. I'm going to make three tents, okay? And, Mo and Peter is off and running on this. And then a cloud envelops them. And it's like they're in a thick fog. They can't see anything. And then the cloud lifts and there's just Jesus. Because it's a different road that Jesus is going to go down. He's not come for the purpose that Peter might think or James or John or any of us from our imagination. From the the, the need that we think we have. Because the prophets and the law, Elijah and Moses, they are just shadows, just types, just hinting at what God is going to do. We imagine, the people of Israel imagined that they knew everything about what God was doing and what their future was going to be like and should be. It had to do with the law and the sacrifices and that kind of thing, but this was just a hint. 
at the great sacrifice that Jesus was going to make on the cross. It's all pointing to Jesus. In the transfiguration, Jesus climbing the mountain so that his glory can be revealed, this is, in a sense maybe, a shadow and a type also of another mountain, Mount Calvary. Another mountain that Jesus, in a sense, will climb. And this time, Peter's not going to be building booths. He's not going to be suggesting that they camp out and stay there. This mountain is all darkness and gloom as the Son of God bleeds and agonizes and is abandoned by the Father. No shining glory, no voice from the cloud as Jesus dies the death of a criminal. Golgotha in Aramaic, the place of the skull. Not exactly the stunning splendor of the Mount of Transfiguration, and yet there is glory there at Calvary, at Golgotha. Because there on the cross, God the Father supplies for us and for the world the atoning sacrifice for the sin of mankind. And to this moment, with Jesus Christ, true God and true man, bearing every sin suspended above the earth, God's judgment for that sin raining down on him without mercy, to this moment, all the scriptures, all the prophets have pointed. To this moment, where the love that God has for sinners is most evident where the earthquake and the darkness only hint at what is veiled, only hint at what is happening beyond our sight, beyond our reasoning. The eyes of the flesh see a poor, itinerant, self-proclaimed rabbi from the hick town of Nazareth, no less, dying to appease an angry mob. But behind the veil, the Son of God fulfills his name. Jesus, Yahweh saves. Behind the veil, the sin that has made us enemies of God is eviscerated, is blotted out, is removed from us as far as the east is from the west. By his selfless sacrifice, Jesus utterly defeats the devil, destroys his power to accuse us before the throne, the judgment seat of God. We're very familiar with some of the shadows and types in the scriptures. So here's one that came 700 years before Jesus died. One from the prophet Isaiah. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
and made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall a righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. He poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Those are selected verses all from Isaiah chapter 53. Shadow and type hinting at what is coming at Calvary. And the glory of the transfiguration shines a spotlight on that hill on that mountain. As Jesus comes down, we'll see uh, in the next readings in that, if you read on, as Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration, he sets his face toward Jerusalem. That's where he's going. And the cross really is the place where his glory is revealed. And up on the Mount of Transfiguration, what are they talking about? Elijah and Moses and Jesus, they're talking about his departure. They're talking about the crucifixion, about his death, his burial, his resurrection. They're talking about the lifting of the veil, finally, to reveal just who Jesus is and just what Jesus is doing to redeem creation. Paul says, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God has shown the light of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ into our hearts, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. God has, with that light, transformed us, transfigured us as well. We who were lost and condemned sinners, we now radiate the glory of Jesus Christ as his Holy Spirit dwells in us. Because our Lord has redeemed us by his blood, has cleansed us from our sin, has given us the faith to believe, then we have become lights beacons of love and life and joy to this world. Not pointing to ourselves, but pointing to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Pointing to Jesus like Elijah did, like Moses did, and all of the scriptures, because it is all about Jesus. It's interesting to note, too, that as Jesus descends the Mount of Transfiguration with his disciples, he tells them, don't tell anybody anything you just saw. I mean, I don't think I would be able to do that. <laughs> if I had seen that, I'd be telling somebody, and I'd be telling them, now don't tell anybody. But I, I don't think I could keep it to myself, what I had seen, but they did. They kept it to themselves. And that's because the cross is still before him. 
the veil has to remain in place. It's not yet lifted. But after the cross, after the empty tomb, after Jesus rises from the dead, after he ascends into heaven, before he ascends into heaven, he tells them, now go, tell, tell it all, tell the world. Spread the good news of sins forgiven and life eternal with God restored. And that's what we're about today. That's what the church as the body of Christ is on earth. It's about going. It's about telling, baptizing and teaching, celebrating his death and his resurrection for us and proclaiming not ourselves but the Savior crucified, risen from the dead and returning to take us home. In his name, amen.